Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You know what I want? Hello and welcome to the Raptors Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Samson Folk, and today, a very special guest. I think we typically get together around the big moments of change, I think, like free agency, uh, trade deadline, now after summer league in a season or an offseason where the Raptors have, I would say, maybe, well, the fan base has a more vested interest in summer league. So Blake Murphy, staff writer at The Athletic, covering the Toronto Raptors, here to join me and talk about summer league, which he attended. How was that? Oh, it was good, man. It was uh, a weird adjustment to being, I mean, seeing live basketball for the first time in, I guess, like 17 months, other than the opener that I was at in Miami or um, Tampa Bay, rather. Um, the crowds were crowdy uh, in and outside of the arena. Uh, but it was, you know, it felt at least reasonably safe. The mask usage was um, better than I expected in Vegas in general. And then as media, you had to be vaccinated to attend. So um, in our media seating stuff, it felt uh, reasonably safe. And, you know, test before you go, test before you come back, test when you get back. Uh, we're okay. And it was just super nice to have live basketball back and. Uh, even if the quality of that basketball was not of the highest order. Is there a sound of the gym that you like above all else? Like the, the squeak of the sneakers or the bounce of the ball, something like that. Nope. That's the the sound of something else. I like my bad. Um, <laughs> I, I think uh, it's hard to describe this sound, but I think it is the, cause generally it's like a chatty crowd. Cause I don't think, you know, you don't pay attention to most people don't pay attention moment to moment the same way. So you kind of get this hush when big moments feel like they're going to happen, but also you get the like disappointment of when moments don't happen. So um, to give you an example, like on the high end, there was one sequence where um, Jalen Suggs drives home this enormous putback and then Coming back the other way, Cole Anthony draws a charge and then Suggs gets up and boom, chest bump, Cole Anthony and everything. And that was right before Raptors Warriors. And in Raptors Warriors game, there were three or four instances where Kaminga had the crowd in the palm of his hand about to do a, something similar and just like hit back rim on a dunk. <laughs> like I think he missed three dunks in that game. Um, and that's my favorite sound. The sound of, oh my God, something cool is going to happen. Oh, damn, <laughs> damn. It's uh, kind of lets the air out and it happens more than you think because it's summer league and the quality isn't, uh, isn't quite there. And when you were in Tampa Bay, you dabbled in uh, professional photography, sports photography. Did you follow that up with anything this time around? I didn't, I didn't want to check a bag. Uh, I figured with 
testing and all the extra restrictions that the airport was going to be enough without checking a bag. So we also, okay. uh, we had Jerome Chang with us for the athletics. So he, uh, you know, that's kind of his, his realm, but no, I don't, I don't even know. I don't know if you would be allowed, like, I don't know if there was much photography at summer league, like obviously there's like Getty photos up and stuff like that. Um, Emma Brown couldn't do her, her Twitter job <laughs> if, if they weren't, but uh, yeah, it's uh, I don't, I don't know. It was like, it was pretty restricted this year to where I don't think I would have been able to go up and down like I can at a nine Oh five game. Um, but yeah, maybe next time. It's, it's interesting what the internet uh, attached to fandom allows people to curate, because if you didn't make the Emma Brown joke, I was going to. And who would have thought that you could be known as like Getty Images is your playground. This is your domain. Poor, an- poor Matt Morgan of uh, Raptors Summer League team and formerly two-time Raptors 905-er posts a photo the other day on his Instagram with a Getty watermark. And I message him. I'm like, man, like, you're a vet at this point. Like you got to get, someone's got to get you these unwatermarked photos. You got to hit up the Raptor social guy uh, who I won't name, but does a tremendous job um, with their Twitter and their Instagram. You got to hit him up and get some, get some real photos here. Hit up the open gym guys. Yeah. There's, there has to be a connect at that point. I I totally get that. It's how you know you've graduated from summer league status is you, you start getting the pictures up without the Getty. Yeah. I, I assume there's, you know, people start reaching out like there's there's a point in life, you know, there's different tiers to how people operate and move and different freedoms and things you're, you know, afforded. But I think if you become an NBA player, people should start offering that stuff. Like, should I take up photography and start offering it to the Matt Morgans and all the people who don't know? Should that is that a, a market inefficiency for me? Well, it sounds like you're suggesting this operation runs entirely for free. So I don't know that <laughs> it, I don't know that it's a good uh, money maker for you. I'm sure the players would appreciate it, but I just I just want to be appreciated. Money money yeah. is no object to me. I just want to be appreciated. I think. Sure. Yeah, you got that blogger money. You don't need <laughs> you don't need photography money on top of that. Yeah, blogger money's got me looked at. Am I understanding right from your tweets that that you built your own palatial home this week too? Yeah, unbelievable. I... <laughs> I, uh, you got to save money where you can. That's, that's the life. Okay. That's, that's how you get rich enough to to build your own home is doing everything yourself, right? Yeah. That's what I've clearly been cutting your hair yourself. And um... I haven't touched it. It is just (laughs) so long now and I don't know what to do, but I feel like cutting it would be kind of an atrocity to what I'm doing here. It's very flowy. Yeah. I know it's, it's supposed to be a minimalist approach. Are you, close to the point of trimming the mustache even though you're letting the beard go i i've trimmed the mustache like six times and it becomes very apparent when you try to like bite into a burger and on intake the burger sweeps the mustache hairs and you bite your own mustache hairs little soup strainer yeah yep that's exactly it so i've had to not here it's kind of wispy around here but right here i've trimmed many times yeah, uh, your Ryan Gosling nice guys area. Yeah. The one area it's grown grown well for you. <laughs> okay, dude, like it's it's better than a lot of people. I, I like to sure, you know, like ba- babies. Yeah, okay. 
Yeah, my newborn nephew isn't growing hair yet. Do you want to compare your mustache to his? Yeah, if he could, if he could come up and we could check it out, I'd be very happy to. He's got a weird thing going on where uh, his hair hasn't really grown yet. But instead of looking like his hair is growing, he looks like he's balding. Like the way his hair is coming in, it looks like male pattern baldness on a baby. Um, it's not a. I hope this is a temporary thing for him. So he and I have more in common than people might have thought with the yeah. male pattern baldness. Okay, let's let's get into the off season. So, yeah. quite a few people were confused at what the Raptors' overall idea might have been the way that they went about, you know, if you look last off season where I thought they took a rational risk in trying to maintain flexibility for Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, I don't know if that was commented on or acknowledged, but I think that is the conventional wisdom this time around. Some people think they might've missed out on some opportunities. Some people think like, Hey, this is just what the market dictated. This is the position they're in. I'm of the idea that, not getting homes seems like a big flop to me because I also, I also rate homes quite a bit higher if the reports about years were true and all that kind of stuff. But as far as the draft goes, I think that Scotty Barnes has made a lot of people happy, especially he's had a larger self-creation bump, I think, but what have you thought about the off season so far? And do you think there's an indication of what the Raptors are trying to go for into the future? Yeah, it's been a tough one. And I, you know, it's a tough one to sort through because direction wise, it is a little kind of disparate or, or incoherent as a, as a whole, right? Like, you know, they're clearly the Scotty Barnes thing sh- suggests that they're looking at a longer time window as does letting Kyle Lowry go, um, you know, and, and you could move Goran Dragic later, but right now he stands out as a, a timeline misfit. Um, even Ken Birch is like, like there's still upside to tap into there and you could, you know, that I don't, I don't think they're signing him with the idea of trading him later, but there's certainly like a potential positive asset value flip there. If he's as solid as he looked last year. And at some point they, they look to move him. But for me, the biggest thing is like, look, I think if you're the Raptors, what you would tell people is, well, our additions are Gary Trent jr. With an off season in our system, Ken Birch, who we got at uh, on the buyout market, but it was always the plan to re-sign him. Scotty Barnes is a number four pick. Precious Achua, Delano Banton, David Johnson. Um, so they would look at it, I think, and see, hey, compared to the start of last season, they've added a lot of younger pieces um, and pretty solid pieces. And then the big downgrade is you flipped Lowry for Goran Dragic. Um, the only other players you really lost are De- DeAndre Bembry, Paul Watson, Stanley Johnson, Aaron Baines, Alex Len. So like not, not guys you're really melting down about, I don't think. Um, now, so all of that would be logical and you'd understand it and you could see where there's room for optimism. Where my issue comes in is, and it's not just the Giannis chase, but they did spend two years building a certain path of flexibility. Um, and it was part of the reason for like the Norman Powell, Gary Trent trade. Yes. Trent is earning slightly less and only having to go three years versus five years is a real difference. And Trent is in his pre-peak phase wire as Powell's in his late peak phase, all those things matter. Part of the draw of that though, was also that 
Trent carries a much lower cap hold. And in a scenario where Lowry left, it wouldn't have been crazy difficult to carve out enough cap space to chase a guy, whether that's a, a Holmes, whether you want to force Cleveland to go further than 20 million flat a year for Jared Allen. Um, you know, you want to chase Josh Hart with an RFA deal. That's more than the mid level, whatever your choice. Um, so I think it's, it's, not a bad off season in terms of who is on the roster now versus the start of last season. Um, but one selling fans on, well, we made two of these moves during the season last year is a little tough. And then two, the flexibility that they've been building, which, you know, didn't seem like it was just for Giannis. They kind of punted on that and punted is, is maybe not fair because technically they used that space to land precious Achua who has, you know, three years left on his deal at less than $10 million total. So you could frame it as, Hey, we used our cap flexibility to take on Drogic and got paid precious to for that. You could certainly logic it that way, but I, I understand perception wise, why uh, some people might not love the, the series of moves on top of which Gary Trent and Ken Burch both have an element of like those deals aren't terrible, but who were you bidding against? Mm-hmm. like it, Gary Trent that Gary Trent Jr. deal is very player friendly and the Ken Birch deal came in about 15% higher than I expected and I'm not sure I'm not sure who they're bidding against so I I was surprised at both of those deals uh Gary Trent Jr. especially Birch with with bigs especially under 10 million the variation is like who knows what's even happening and like in-house what they think of a player can can vary a lot and you see like really crazy deals for bigs all the time but to see Holmes at 11 and Birch is at uh I think you pointed this out on your Twitter 666 and like there's been a bunch of weird <laughs> yeah so the number didn't actually come in at, at that unfortunately uh the second year on his deal if it was a straight 20 million was going to be 666666 um but his deal is actually technically $20 million and 2750 at the end. So it uh, it avoids the rounding. And, and Trent's too actually came in lower than reported. So Trent's is three years, 51.84 million, which drops his first year salary to 16 million flat. So no longer any 666s. Uh, the Raptors no longer punk rock. <laughs> that, that would have worked well with uh, Gary Trent Jr.'s emoji usage, I think. Very punk rock emoji usage. Um, okay. Yeah. So uh, I've talked elsewhere on this podcast about Gary Trent jr. And there'll be plenty to talk about during the year, but he didn't play at summer league and Scotty Barnes, Delano Banton, David Johnson, Wainwright, Champagne, all these guys played at summer league. Do you have a short list of guys who wowed and, uh, any, any like cliff notes on why they wowed you? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the important thing with summer league is always don't look bad. It's not necessarily look good because if you're Scotty Barnes and you just went fourth overall, you better look good. And if you're Malachi Flynn and you were a first round pick last year and have half a year in an NBA rotation, you better look good. So um, those caveats applied. I have thought Malachi Flynn has looked awesome. Um, You know, he's only shooting 40% on twos, but he's hitting uh, 41.4% on a heavy volume of threes, which Obviously, I, I think every Raptors fan knows that was kind of the piece that wasn't there yet with his offense, even though mechanically he looked really good. 
Um, so that's that's good. The confidence level on that, the tough shot making from from three point range. Um, I think it was Assad that that joked on Twitter that he misses every wide open catch and shoot, and then he hits every shot where like there's a defender draped on him and he gets an and one. Um, I thought he's looked kind of the role of like that floor generally role to, to settle guys. Um, I actually had a really good conversation with him in Vegas too. And uh, just about, you know, what last year was like and kind of having studied under Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Bleed and where that has him at in terms of like, Hey, the second unit is yours this year. And so I think, I, I think he's impressed in that regard. I think him and precious having a, a nice chemistry early on is a, is a potentially good indicator for that second unit. You know, the Raptor, it's the Raptors. The second unit's always going to struggle to score a little bit. It's just who they are. Um, but you have Flynn, Achua, probably Scotty Barnes when Pascal Siakam's healthy. Um, and if not Barnes, then Gary Trent. So you have a little bit of a little bit of juice there, plus whichever role players, you know, break out of that, that competition. So um, Malachi's been the guy that, that stood out. From the deeper players, um, you know, I thought Ish Wainwright ha has won some fans pretty quickly. Another guy who's not shooting exceptionally well, 31.6% on threes. Um, but he did, you know, these are small samples. And the fact that he had a four of six game from three is, I think, a good indicator of, you know, what his potential is as a corner shooter. He does have a little bit of Bruce Brown slash PJ Tucker to him where he's six foot five, but really on offense, like, is he a four standing in the corner? Is he a five sometimes using that big frame to screen? Um, little bit of playmaking, little bit of passing ability. But really, you know, a guy like that, you you just need him to do enough offensively to get his defense on the floor because he's pretty good on that end. Um, you know, maybe not elite, elite level quickness, but the strength and versatility to guard a couple positions there. So, um, and also just like, a very Raptors style ball hawk, right? Like poke everything loose that you can hit the deck to save it. Um, and that's been up and down the roster. Delano Banton's gotten a lot of steals. Um, we saw a couple instances of, of Scotty Barnes hitting the deck for a loose ball or, um, you know, there was one, I think it was the first game where he's like, he's on his ass and like fakes a pass and waits for the transition sprinter to go by and hits him from on his butt. Um, so a few, a few impressive things like that, but, um, I guess at a first pass, it, it's kind of, you know, Malachi looking every bit the part. And then of the new guys, Ish has kind of stood out. And then obviously, you know, such a good story there and a, a pretty tremendous guy, it seems like. Okay. And with Malachi, just to dig a little bit further, mm -hmm. there's obviously significant shot making pop from three that you brought up. As far as getting downhill, he's got plenty of wiggle. He is a wiggly guy. There's plenty of shake in his off the dribble game. But when he's, as far as the Raptors for a while now, outside of Kyle Lowry, haven't been able to ask many players to generate downhill momentum, rim pressure. Mm -hmm. Malachi Flynn looks very good, but doesn't look like that type of player either. Do you think that's more likely to get in the cards or grift king type of stuff? What are you looking for him to add? Yeah, I think, you know, realistically at his size and his athletic profile, it's probably going to have to be the the grift style. Um, you know, he's a very good change of pace dribbler in um, kind of like a, a Jose Calderon-ish way where it's like, okay, you're not fast necessarily, but your ability to play at different speeds kind of tricks a defender, right? 
Um, he does have some nice hesitation moves to his game too, but I think similar to a Van Vliet, you know, at the rim and in terms of rim pressure at that size and athletic profile, you're going to have to make some really difficult shots. And we've seen him do that. He had, he had a, a very difficult and one the other day. Um, and there's some ability there to do that. So you don't rule it. Like he's not going to get zero shots at the rim, but I think that his drives are going to be, you know, the biggest threat there is first the pocket pass that he's really coming along with um, second, kind of that delay roll over the top pass that he hit precious with twice this week. Um, and then, you know, as a tertiary option, probably to, to try to get to the rim and score that way. So um, the one thing that I might like to see from him in terms of the funk uh, to add to that, you know, you've got the tempo change already, but maybe let's see a little bit of that, like free throw line, each one more stuff, you know, like let's get a little floater package there. Um, and it's something that, you know, I'd hope Fred Van Vliet's been, been crafting a little bit too. Um, if you can't get to the rim, you know, gnashing it and resetting it and looking for your big that way is helpful. But sometimes, especially if you've got your defender in jail, kind of that little push shot uh, against a dropping big is a, can be a really valuable weapon. Yeah. Agreed. It'll be interesting to see what both of them add. And especially since Malachi, as you said, like you just don't want to look bad. Not only does he have half, half a season roughly of NBA experience, but he's also very old for a guy who has as much NBA experience as he does. So you want him to look good. He looked a little bit bigger as well. Scotty Barnes. Let's do the Barnes stuff. Yeah. Big muscles, big body, uh, big man, big trouble. Okay. Scotty Barnes. There are two plays that really, really intrigued me outside of like all of his chaos agent stuff that even at Florida state, he had like lose the dribble spin into the lane shovel pass to the guy cutting from the 45 that nobody saw lots of stuff like that. Very good. Uh, you know, not to like get to draft Twitter with it, but like proprioception really noticing himself in space and that kind of stuff. But I, I think there were two plays. One was the little half spin and then turn back and hit the fadeaway. He got his leg around his defender who was Kuminga at the time. He actually stepped around him as part of the fake, then came back. The balance was really impressive. And then the next one, kind of similar to what Brandon Ingram does on the right wing, his spinning fade, the amount of ground he covers is like nine feet or something close to it. It's right. I think Will Lou posted a screenshot of that one. He did. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Like, how do you guard that? First of all, what defender can cover that amount of space and track you that in that short amount of time. And also like, even if you can, how do you get a hand up? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he's got that in his bag. He had a couple pull-ups. He hit some catch and shoot stuff. What have you made of the progress as far as like his ball skills, his jump shot, and then maybe just his, his apparent threshold for never willing to look something away for himself. He believes he's capable of everything. Yeah. He's um, he's cool, man. He's a lot of fun. I think, you know, I, I think I'd rather have a guy at this point um, who's fits his profile than the opposite where like he's trying to make a lot happen. And there are occasionally these flashes of him being able to do incredible stuff. And then like some of the easier stuff is not there for him yet. And I don't know if that's like, you know, I always think of the term kind of big pause on a puppy from, from the wire. And it's like, Oh yeah. Like you, he's seeing what to do and he can like physically get there and do those things. 
but like there's just like a tiny disconnect between skill and like the skill level and the the mental side where he knows what to do and that's just like there've been a couple times where he has these really great powerful drives into the paint and gets two feet in there and then just like loses the handle or or flubs the layup or something like that or you know he's he's a very creative passer some of these dump offs that he does he's uh, dump off isn't the right term. They're like bullet off passes. Um, poor Freddie Gillespie is, uh, uh, they are not the, the smoothest, uh, dump off duo, Scotty Barnes and Freddie Gillespie, but, um, all that's to say he's doing the, like, he's doing the higher level stuff and he's trying the higher level stuff. And I think as far as an indicator goes, you like that a little better than a guy who's coming out to be passive or, or, you know, is trying to go into the post every time and just go over top of guys. Like, you know, the one of the warning signs here would maybe be if Barnes was just, especially because he's playing the perimeter more here, if he was just trying to take smaller guys into the post and, and you know, he wasn't trying to beat a center off the dribble or, you know, attack off DHO or something like that. I, I think those would be bigger concerns. Um, you know, offensively though, look, no one's, no one's hidden the fact that this is going to be a bit of a work in progress. And um, right now I, I think the passing is primarily a transition weapon. Um, I know he's got 13 assists over the four games, but to me, you know, it's those outlet passes and hit ahead passes where he's looked his best um, in the half court. I think because the handle's not all the way there yet. And because he's telegraphing a little bit um, you know, the, the half court playmaking it doesn't like blow you away yet. Um, but again, he's a, he's a rookie who's power forward size and any amount of playmaking is probably uh, pretty encouraging. The, the jump shot, I don't know. He's going to get lots of reps at it. They're going to give him the green light. Um, the fact that he's shooting well on free throws is maybe a positive indicator just about the growth there. Um, him yelling bang bitch after threes is a, a positive indicator about the confidence level. Um, and it's giving uh, all our wonderful Raptors artists on Raptors Twitter lots of uh, lots of material. Um, and then, yeah, I think defensively he's he's there, right? Like you mentioned the draft Twitter terms, his processing speed on defense is unbelievable. He knows where a play is going. He has the physical tools to cover a lot of space and track a lot of space um, comfortably. I don't think you know, I think there's some work to do with like hip fluidity to, to really open up his lateral quickness and his switchability onto guards. But I think right now, like three, four, he's going to be a really good defender, maybe even two, three, four, five. Um, you know, by the time the season rolls around, he's just like for a, for a rookie, his, the level of, of defensive anticipation and just the defensive foundation he's working from is, uh, could be really special. Um, you know, not, not errorless throughout the course of summer league. I, I thought the back-to-back um, the second night of that, he looked a little slow um, and maybe like not elite elite conditioning right now, but you know, there's, he's, he's like a week into his NBA career. We got, we got some time here. Is Fernando Tatis going to be a really good defensive shortstop? Do you think? Um, I'm, I'm going just, somewhere I, with this. I promise. Okay, I don't think so. There's been a lot of chatter that he's going to move the outfield, right? I thought that was just for this year because of his injury or whatever. Yeah, possibly. Okay. Um, is who's who's the guy in the MLB that may, 
has the most clear indicators of elite defense, but it's just like a little bit more mistake prone. Hmm. I don't know. Okay. It's, uh, sorry. I don't have a, I didn't know we were going to have uh baseball questions on the quiz. That's, that's the whole back half of this podcast is Blake teaches Sam about baseball. I thought, no, I, I get where you're going with, but it, it's, it's a little bit of a tough comparison because like most of baseball's really good defenders can't hit. And I know that that's where you're going with it a little bit, but it's uh it's a tough one. Like you're, you're probably, you're probably getting into um, a lot of catchers in that stuff. I guess like, like maybe Willie Adonis is a, is a good example. Like he's been a top prospect and um, elite, elite shortstop defense. I think he's hitting really well since he got traded, but he was like, kind of a bummer in tampa bay well he said he couldn't hit there like he said he couldn't see in the in the stadium yeah. which is a really weird yeah that's no good half your game but man there. like like his strikeout rate has dropped dramatically and his walk rate has spiked dramatically i don't know like his wrc plus is double what it was before there might be something to it i yeah he probably was telling the truth yeah uh, I was, so maybe, I was... maybe maybe that's my answer first half of the season willie adonis Okay, I was I was gonna try and make some sort of comparison to Lourdes Gurriel Jr., who okay. very clearly has the tools to be like a very good defender, but the application of them seems to have gone awry. Okay, so so I misunderstood where you were. I thought you were looking for who's a really good defender, and their offense is not uh, really all the way there yet. No, because I I liked Scotty's offense from what I saw, like okay. in summer league games. I was. It's not that he's you know looking incredibly comfortable, but I think he was more impressive than I might've expected, but I just, uh, I wanted to work your guy in there somehow. And I couldn't, I thought of uh, all arms and legs, a lot of talent, but some goofy uh, root efficiency, but Scotty Barnes too. Yeah. But Scotty Barnes is arms, legs, vibes, but he has the root efficiency. Yeah. Unlike, unlike our guy, Lourdes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Oh yeah. Here's my question too. With Scotty and Delano in particular, and after kind of the Jalen Harris, like we the North, all the, Gary Trent Jr., is it possible that the Raptors are drafting for content creation potential? Is that part of this? Yeah, I mean, look, you you go through as a franchise 20 years of feeling like you get no coverage and, and everyone forgets about you. So after that, your draft strategy is just like, no, Everyone we draft either has to be hilarious or have a gimmick like OG or have your own branding like Pascal and Norm and Fred. Um, you know, they're not going to give us the media. We're going to have to take it ourselves kind of thing. But Malachi is the flub there because not a, not a lot of uh, not a lot of content there. Not a lot of enthusiasm for the We the North thing. But Raptor Nation, he came with a dad Raptor who provided Nation, that's content true. creation as well. Maybe that's they looked true. into it. They're like, Eric, right? Yeah, Eric, are you going to be posting? Yeah. What do you have in your bag? Yeah, is this is look? where, you know, uh, Justin Champagne and uh, David Johnson. Let's let's see it, guys. Come on. David Johnson looks like 21 Savage, so maybe yeah. there's a parody in there. Okay, yeah, let's, let's, let's talk David Johnson then because I – uh, by proxy of having a lot of conversations with the wonderful Henry Ward was starting to really come around on David Johnson, who Henry said like, Hey, maybe he's a lottery guy for him. And while I, you know, I don't have a running board of whether I think guys are lottery or anything. I just have guys I like because I do basically just a cursory glance at the draft. 
What did you think of David in his summer league performances? Yeah, so uh, full disclosure, I was not the biggest David Johnson fan prepping for the draft. Um, You know, I think just from a pure production standpoint, as a sophomore, you're pretty underwhelmed with his second season. Um, You know, you dig into the tape, though, and like it was a bit of a weird situation with him and Carly Jones together. Uh, You go back and you watch his freshman year. And it's much more encouraging, right? It's, it's oh, this guy, like, probably, in retrospect, he should have come out after his freshman year, and he would have looked a lot better. But he also had, like, multiple left shoulder things um, during his college career that, that maybe kept him from doing that, or maybe, you know, pandemic-wise, he didn't want to. Um, unfortunately, now dealing with a right shoulder strain that's kept him out of the last game and a half. Um, so Johnson's interesting to me where – defensively he's a huge guard right like he's not he's not like super thick or anything but the length is tremendous and if he can get the defense the finer points of defense down um you know you could have a real on-ball weapon there in kind of like the Contavious Caldwell Pope mode of of just covering a lot of space and keeping that initial penetration from happening at the point of attack and um I just think you know, based on watching him a little bit and certainly based on these three, uh, these three summer league games, he's pretty far away from turning that into actual defensive production. There are obviously moments. Um, he is a hilarious closeout artist because, um, you know, that length and speed, but also the lack of, you know, he's, he's the polar opposite of Utah where Utah has these super disciplined closeouts all the time where, He's got the hand up and he can test, but there's no, he, he offers no quarter on the drive. Whereas David Johnson's just right by you. And if I don't block it, have a shot at it. Um, so I think there's real defensive potential there. He's, he's just, you know, he's, there's a reason he's on a two way. Um, and then offensively, look, I got told he had a really, he's had a really good like camp and lead up to this. Uh, I didn't think he played super well offensively in the summer league games. Like obviously he shot under 30%. And you can look past that, but it was also like an almost one-to-one assist to turnover ratio, some tough decision-making at times. Um, so I think, you know, he's, he's pretty toolsy. If you, if you see him as a, as kind of a combo guard as they do, um, there, there are some tools at each end alike. I just think, uh, you know, it certainly looks to me like this past year was not a lost development year from him, but, he didn't get a lot better. And so I think, you know, two ways, the right spot for him in a good developmental system. Okay. And Banton, then the, the guy who was huge in Raptors social media, he was teaching everybody the slang, how to talk like a Toronto man, all that kind of stuff. And yeah. or Toronto. That, no tea. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. That beak. Uh, okay. Let's do, let's do Delano. what do you think of him? I mean, he was part of the, ripping and roaring five points in like nine minutes for the opposing team, a million steals. Like, what did you think? He's a a very confusing and interesting player. I think his ability to get Scotty Lewis to inbound him the ball in a tie game with 20 (laughs) seconds left is elite. It's uh, I, he's the only player that could get Scotty Lewis to just, Hey, can I have that? (laughs) I'm joking. (laughs) Uh, Give me that. Give me that. Um, but yeah, he's, he's fun, man. And he's another guy that like, he got an NBA deal, but 
he's going to be your 905 regular. Like he is not ready for NBA minutes yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the full guarantee this year and the second year on the deal tell you how optimistic the Raptors are that they can turn this into a productive player. And, and it's not super hard to see how that would happen. He's a six foot nine point guard with these huge strides in transition. He's another guy like Flynn who like, like he's fast for six, nine, but he's really kind of a, on his own pace guy. Right. Um, there's just some funk to him. That's going to make him hard to defend. Um, obviously the length defensively is really cool. Um, a lot of mistakes in summer league so far, like a negative assist to turnover ratio. Um, but I think probably the thing that I've taken most from Delano, and this was the case in three of the games, I think, and it came up in my notes in, in three of the four games is that, he has gotten better as the game's gone along each time. And sure that happens sometimes like just randomly and it's noise. Uh, But I think for a high IQ player like him, who a lot of the coaches had mentioned like, Oh, he picks stuff up really quickly. I think an environment like this where, you know, this is tougher competition than he's seen. And uh, he has the freedom to make some mistakes here. I think that's good for him. I, I think, you know, that's a good way to learn. And, and you, again, like we talked about with Scotty a little bit, you almost at this stage prefer the errors of guys trying to do too much versus guys who are making errors by being too passive. Um, so, yeah, I think I think he's going to be really fun with the 905. I think he might be their starting point guard. Um, yeah, I, th- I think he's he's going to be really fun. But like like just uh, Johnson and like Champagne, like the Raptors are kind of we maybe got it twisted up last year because of the G league bubble and the enhanced two-way rules and stuff. Those three guys are going to be G leaguers um, in my mind. Like I'm not, I'm not penciling out any of them in to when we do our rotation breakdowns or anything like that. Like, I think those are, those are their development pieces. And after using those spots for a couple of years on guys who could maybe help now, I think the Raptors are kind of pivoting back to, okay, we gotta, we gotta dig some long-term upside out of these plays. That makes sense. That was the next thing I was going to ask you was what position do you think Delano actually plays in the NBA? Because what position I was, does anyone on the Raptors play? Uh, OG, Pascal, uh, caricature, something like that. Malachi Flynn is the only player on this team with a position. Fred to some degree, maybe. Or well, is like I, I'm even combo. thinking like if they played together, Fred would be off the ball and Fred has shown he can defend bigger guys and stuff like that. So. I, do you I'm, think uh, Fred would be off the ball a lot? Do you think? I mean, Malachi I think so. He's just, he's, he's just such a good shooter, right? Well, you and I definitely agree on that and like how he should be utilized. But the Raptors have kind of gone maybe a little bit different way with more yeah, on ball. Reps. But I mean, also that might have been like in part like developmentally, right? Like he sure. and I thought he improved a lot as a pick and roll passer last year. Um, but yeah, like I think, you know, isolate a single possession. And how do you want to optimize that with Flynn and Van Vliet on the floor? Like Van Vliet's probably on the second side or he initiates and then relocates. Um, so. Anyway. Okay. So let's do a, let's the context of initiating primary or secondary Delano. If you, you know, nobody likes projecting that much, but I'll put you in an uncomfortable spot. If you had to project what he's going to succeed at more often G league versus NBA, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I think probably right now he needs to be on the ball a little bit more um, because he's not at all an outside shooting threat. And while he's pretty smart and has like some pretty good spatial 
stuff going on. Um, I don't know if the like cutting and offensive rebounding ability overcomes the like this guy's a non-shooter who probably needs to be in the dunker if he doesn't have the ball. And like I'm being reductive here because we're talking in in pretty broad strokes, but um, yeah, I think he needs the ball in his hands a little bit more to not even needs, but like he's a six nine point guard. The whole point is that he's so special and weird because he can handle at that size and like he doesn't have to be a quote-unquote point guard like you can end up being a Sean Livingston type hey sometimes you're going to initiate off the ball sometimes you'll be in the post of the dunker sometimes you know you're just you're just out there for vibes it it can go a lot of different ways but I think for right now yeah you want the ball in his hands you want to see can he be like a point guard um, because the whole thing with the way they're building the roster is like they have Van Bleet and Flynn, but everyone else, it's supposed to be, you know, you know, the offense from three or four different trigger points and it makes you really difficult to guard against. So um, I think they'd like to, especially with 905, have the ball in his hands a lot to bring those skills along. Now, they probably want to do the same with David Johnson because they want to turn him from more of a two guard into a combo, but uh, there are lots of minutes and touches to go around. Mm-hmm. It, it'll be interesting. Like there's a bunch of different ways for tall guys with ball skills to make themselves valuable. Slow-mo, for example, in, in uh, Memphis is super unique usage for him. Like even they had, they used him as an initiator specifically for a lot of Jonas Valanciunas plays. Caitlin Cooper wrote a really good piece about that. And it's just, you know, Banton, if he hits and as you were saying, like really high feel picks things up very quickly, who knows how he can apply himself and his length against half court uh, defenses and stuff like that should be really interesting. And the, are you going to tell people I did that, that I housed yeah. your inbounds pass? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. And and the other thing with Banton is like, this is going to apply to like 90% of rookies. He's got to get stronger. And, and, you know, that might be, I think a part of Ishmael Wainwright's salary is as a strength coach. Um, so, uh, yeah. And like Banton's got to get stronger for a number of reasons, right? Like finishing defense, um, being able to absorb some contact as you're driving to keep the pass open. Like, um, so you don't have to barrel into guys and pick up a a bunch of charges and, um, but yeah, he'll get there, I think. Yeah. So how many, there's what, four or five roster spots that appear to be, uh, there's an element of competition for them. And there's what, six guys who are going to be competing for that. If, if I have that r- a rough estimate of it. Yeah. I mean, it depends what you count Banton as. So l- I, let's say Banton has one locked up because he has a full guarantee. Mm-hmm. Um, in that case, you have five guys competing for four spots and two open roster spots still for the camp battles where you could see, you know, another Isak Bonga type uh, get in there. Um, maybe, uh, maybe someone taller than, six foot nine at some point too, but we'll see. Hartenstein is, is he like guaranteed anywhere or is he still? No, he's, he's unsigned still as of this writing or recording. Well, um, awkwardly him and Gillespie have the same agent. So like if Gillespie <laughs> gets cut, obviously there's space for another uh, center type. Um, so I like Hartenstein. He's got uh, some passing chops that are. Yeah, I like him too. I, uh, I mean, we did this a year of, ago. Yeah, or he's ahead of Gillespie season. at this point, but mm-hmm. um, but also like Gillespie's better than this. Um, yeah, 
like it's so bizarre that like you can have 20 NBA games and look substantially better against NBA competition than you do against summer league competition. It's so, so bizarre how basketball works sometimes, but yeah, anyway, he's a, we got, a system player. Yeah. We got five guys competing for four spots, maybe only three spots if they keep it tighter to duck the tax, but I don't think that's going to be the case given the guarantees they've given out and stuff. So Decker, Utah, it guarantees if he makes the team, right? So That's- this is the thing is everyone except Wainwright guarantees in full if they make the team. So this is uh, this is where like in years past, you've maybe, if you don't do that, the benefit is, um, so say with Wainwright, he only has 250K guarantee. You could keep him, That's that's more than a quarter of his contract. You could keep him on the roster for a quarter of the season and basically punt that decision 20 games, right? Like he could hold a spot and then you keep him 20 games and then wave him. Then there's no difference in cost because you're just playing out the guaranteed portion. Uh, the other four guys all guarantee in full on opening night. So the Raptors did that with uh, KJ McDaniels a couple years ago, um, kept him on the roster an extra like week or two to eat up that guarantee they'd already given him. And then, you know, who knows, maybe something clicks in, in a practice or something like that. Um, so yeah, there's possibility to do that with Wainwright. Everyone else though, you make the team, you get the money. Are there, are there any guys you like for the inside track? Obviously I, I am pulling for Utah the same way I was last off season. I think that would be great. Uh, and I thought he had like a really fun Olympics and I think that he was starting to discover a little bit more of his offensive zest, like a little bit more confidence in his you know, ability to put the ball on the ground because he does have, he showed those skills with the Memphis hustle like quite a bit, but uh, any other guys, cause I'm pulling for Utah. And then otherwise it seems like kind of a wash. I don't want Decker, but that's like a, that's a personal thing. And so, I'm not super updated on his positions and stuff. Yeah. Like that. I, um, I'm not ready to talk specifics on this other than to say, I've had some pretty good conversations about that and, and have something, we'll probably publish something at some point. Um, to where I'm more comfortable with it than I was when the initial signing happened. And I remembered all that stuff. So um, yeah, we could talk about that more another time. Obviously we're not just going to, you know, this is not the right form to, to kind of give that all the context it needs. Um, and I don't want to just blow past it, but um, for the sake of analysis, uh, he's in there on a partial guarantee and it's a $350,000 partial guarantee. It's a big one. So the big thing with Decker is, you know, he had four years in the league. He went from not playing at all to playing heavy rotation minutes to not playing at all the playing heavy rotation minutes. He never got sent to the G league for that developmental stuff. Um, bounced around. He played for four different teams and you know, that alone can be a red flag sometimes. Um, and the big thing was he only shot 28% on a low volume of threes. So for a catch and slash guy who's very athletic and has some good size, uh, not hitting the threes kind of undercuts your slashing game, right? Um, so that's been the big change with Decker overseas. He's really become a shooter, and that's opened up that, that slashing skill more. Um, sorry, I lied. He played seven G League games. Um, Good plan, Houston. Uh, but yeah, like he he hit 41.8% of a high volume of threes this year uh, with Turkey playing with my guy Tyler Ennis for a little bit. Um, Tyler Ennis told me that the three-point shooting spike is 
only because of uh, his passing. Um, Tyler Ennis taking credit, to which I said, could you improve my three-point shooting then? And I never got a response. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like Decker, Decker fits the mold of, of what they're looking for with these spots as kind of a, a combo forward with some slashing skills, some secondary passing skill, uh, emerging shooting. And it's just, you know, they're looking for that from a couple spots. Like, can you, can you defend enough and can you keep the offense moving? And um, they very clearly see like a size and skill combination that they like, and they want to see which one of these guys clicks. And, you know, two of them might make the team, but Utah Decker and Wainwright seem like they're kind of spiritually competing um, you know, Wainwright's a little smaller than the other two, but he's also really, really versatile defensively. So um, Decker, the big thing will be, is that shooting improvement real? And then Watanabe, I'm with you. I, I thought he looked great for Japan. I, I really think, and we've seen this with other guys in, in international action before, I really think being forced into that bigger role would be great for him because so much of it has been, like the defense is obvious, the, uh, the IQ and feel are obvious, the sorry, I shouldn't say IQ. The feel is obvious. The role recognition and the role certainty is there, um, and it's like you've got to you've got to expand out of this role a little bit, man. Like you can try more. You can put it on the floor for yourself, or you can jack those threes up with a tighter window. And I think that's what they've been trying to drive home for him. And I think Japan needing him to do that as kind of the one B to Rui. Um, will probably be really good for him long-term. And my colleague, Eric Green had a great chat with Yuta at Summer League and, and had an article up about it. Um, you know, I, I think that registered with him as well. I think, I think he knows what he has to do to kind of take this next step now. But I think also, like, he's got a 375000 guarantee, and he was pretty solid in the NBA last year. It's going to be hard to knock Yuta out of one of those spots. Yeah, I'm all for Yuta. I think it's... You now he's not a kid, but if you hang around like college players who go from you know junior varsity, varsity, whatever, when you're making the jump, you could see players who have independently significantly better on ball skills, they're a way better shooter in any type of isolated thing, and they just need time to apply to a different uh context. Yuta seems like, as as you said, a prime candidate to keep applying his independently very good skills to the context, which he seemed a little bit, you know, gun shy for lack of a better term. And so, yeah, very excited for him. Gun shy. About- you know, who's not gun shy? Precious Achua. <laughs> Did you see those after, <laughs> the after finger guns? Yeah, yeah. man. He the was, dishes uh, and dimes, honorary finger guns. Is that, I don't, I don't know that reference. I'll is leave it- that for them to tell, but that's uh I think it started with dishes and dimes in Vegas. It may have got back to anyway, I'll leave that for them to tell. That's real heads only, but. Okay. (laughs) Finger guns. Okay. Um, As far as Isak Banga for our second, I think you should leave reference uh, at the store of Maasai flashes. That's (laughs) my exact style courtesy of Dana smart. What, uh, what are your thoughts on Isak? Yeah. um, So. I think he's fun. Um, I think there's, there's some real potential there. I think, uh, you know, he was on my list of low cost targets. The Raptors should, should go after this off season. Um, and the reason is, you know, he's another six, eight guy who can handle a little bit 
And in his case, he's only 21 still. Um, so, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to run into the Stanley Johnson thing where a guy has played 5,000 NBA minutes and you're still being like, Oh, but he's 23. Like maybe there's developmental room there still, but Bonga's coming from the Lakers who have not been the shiniest example of player development to the wizards who certainly haven't been the shiniest example of player development. And then like weirdly, you know, maybe it was purely on merit, but in 2019, 2020, he shot like 50% overall and 35% on threes and 80 plus from the free throw line. Like he was 50, 35, 80, which for at that point, a 19 year old with some ball skill is pretty good. And if you're committed to development, like throw him the minutes, throw him the touches. Um, and then last year he just like barely played and it was really hard to see where he was at. Like, I don't, I didn't see a ton of them last year and I, I don't like, maybe he took a big step backwards, but maybe also he just like, like it was situational and they had kind of tapped out on him. Um, but I think, you know, there's, there's some intrigue there. Like, I, I don't, I won't go as far as uh, some of the people on Wizards Twitter who think he's a, a point guard, quote unquote, but he's another six, eight guy with great length. who can handle a little bit. Another guy who needs to put on a, a substantial amount of weight, but you know, there's a, there's a little bit of bantonness to it in terms of like, well, what's the draw and what are you looking for out of this guy? What do you think you could turn him into? Um, you know, he would have been, I, I would have, he, you can't do this. He had, he's probably too established as um, a former number 39 pick who, who's had like a full season starting in the NBA. He would have been super interesting to me on a two way. Um, and he's got, this would have been his last year of eligibility on that. Um, but he got a 200 K guarantee. So that's out the window now. Uh, but yeah, I could see him as like, you know, a 15th man who's also spending some G league time. He'd have to approve it at this point, but I'm sure they talked to him about what that developmental process would look like. Um, yeah. I thought he looked pretty solid in the Olympics too. Um, he had a couple, a uh, couple fun games, a couple fun moments. So um, yeah, I mean, that's where I'm at. Like we, we haven't seen the guy in a year basically at the NBA level, but with his age and size and, and kind of nascent ball skill, like you, you certainly get it. I don't think he's a favorite to win a spot, but I would understand it. The Raptors are cooking up a real funk fest. It seems. Yeah. Like. Yeah. The Raptors are like, like Bobby Webster was like kind of joking about having a whole team of like, why not make the whole plane out of Pascal Siakam's? But like <laughs> he, he wasn't entire, like even precious, like thinks he probably, I mean, he's, he's bought in a little bit in these summer league games, a little bit more to the, the identity. I think he's going to have to play with the Raptors, which is like, you know, you're, you're a center, even though your size doesn't suggest it necessarily just cause like they need those minutes and like his ball skill as a center is much more impressive than his skill package. If he's a four. Um, but even he's a guy who can like, you know, the rip and run, grab a defensive rebound and push full court. He's another guy who can do it. Um, and has looked like, at least with Nigeria looked really good defensively. So any other guys you think the listeners should know about before we get out of here? Um, I mean, I think there's probably a couple guys who are going to find their way to camp specifically with the 905 
uh, in mind. Like they do have two open spots and usually those last couple spots will go to exhibit 10 guys who, you know, can be converted or kept on the roster, but more likely they're getting waived and they make 905 pieces. Um, there's also always the potential for the no day exhibit 10, which is like the Raptors have done this every year. You cut a couple guys early and then you sign new exhibit tens in their spot and also wave them. So you can kind of cheat the extra exhibit tens. Uh, so there are a few names like that I'd expect to come up, but yeah, in terms of like guys they could add for those two final spots right now, I don't have a great feel. I, I think, you know, on you line up what the roster looks like, like maybe you want another point guard and another, like a true center in there fighting, but we're talking about the end of the roster spots. I'm also entirely fine with just like, take the upside play. Like if you're 15th man, the guy who makes the roster as the 15th man, if you run into a situation at one point where you need him to contribute and he can't because your position balances off or whatever, a lot more has gone wrong than the choice you made in that 15th roster spot. Like, like I think back to the campaign Isaiah Taylor camp year where they ended up keeping Malcolm Miller instead of a third point guard, um, which is campaign's Joker origin story. But, uh, you know, that's kind of the mind I'm at is, you know, especially at the back of the roster, get the, get the best guys or the guys you see with the highest developmental upside. So I don't have names for you. We'll see after summer league who gets deals and who doesn't and stuff like that. But, um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'd always go with the upside play. I don't, yeah. The Raptors in reason. Yeah. Like their entire team is power forwards or like combo forwards right now, but also who cares? I, yeah, you look at what Jason Thompson, an established veteran, he came in, he has a, like a later rotation spot. Was that super meaningful or would it, you know, at it's not the buyout market, but that roster spot for somebody who maybe had something else in the tank, like why not? It's, it's a game dominated by the top end guys. So it's also yeah. like a shift in philosophy of like, do you have Kawhi Leonard on your roster and you're trying to maximize every minute anyone's on the floor. So you got to go Jody Meeks or are you kind of in like a reestablishment year and you need to find a guy who's going to be, you know, you're trying to find the guy who could be a part of the rotation in 2023, maybe if things work out. And just like Jody Meeks can't be. Yeah. Get guys who won't steal assists from Pascal, like just completely fumble the ball up just so there's like well, some Freddie Gillespie's of... cut then. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy has uh, robbed Scotty Barnes a few times. It's yeah. Gillespie thing's so weird, man. Like he's got that uh, September 5th partial guarantee trigger and it's only 50,000. So my bet would be he's still in the mix, but the poor guy has had just the most snake bit in summer league so far. Gotta have a really good camp probably. Yeah, I mean, if he even gets there, right? Like 50K is 50K. Um, I hope he gets it. I hope every player gets every partial guarantee, whatever. Yeah. That's especially when that's the pro labor stance. I'm a pro labor guy. That's kind of my whole thing. That's any team that spends more than one or less than $1 shy of the luxury tax is robbing labor. That's, I don't know how many other, uh, podcast guys for like team have had a, a labor union worker come on and talk about podcast stuff. That's me. So I, I have on Abdul. Oh, like, right. Yeah. Sorry. I forget he, about that. He's side too big sometimes. now. He's now, he's, yeah, he's been movies. having too much success on the writing yeah. side that I, I kind of forget that that's, that's where he's rooted, but yeah. 
Oh, yeah, to com- be comrade Abdul. Let's yes. uh... <laughs> let's go. To be that talented, he's just got his hand in like six different cookie jars and succeeds at all of them. Good yeah. for him. So do the Raptors with this uh, with these camp battles. Five different guys with partial guarantees. Fingers crossed. Okay. Uh, OG Ananobi walks in the gym with a bright pink do-rag and his big glasses. What are your immediate thoughts? My immediate thoughts was, please step out of the tunnel long enough for me to get a picture of this. And who, uh, and who I, ended up getting the picture? I mean, he was on, they put him on the broadcast at one point. I did take a picture and it's grainy because it's like very zoomed in and like OG's head is like sticking out from the, the corner this much. And Gary Trent is like, Gary Trent has, I think, a bandana and a face mask on. So there's like, you can see like this much Gary Trent and it's a ridiculous photo. Um, I didn't run into OG. I was pretty sad. I saw pretty much everyone else, but. Who who was uh who was all there? Do you have a literally every person on the roster except Goran Dragic was in Vegas at some point? Okay, I'm gonna take my Dragic stance right now, and I I'm curious to see how you feel. I, I don't disagree care. with you. Whatever it is. Okay, yeah. Well, th- this again. Um, I don't care. Like I I like there's like translation, but also maybe he was just trying to endear himself to Raptors fans who were so vocal about like get this guy out of here and he's like yeah i'd like to be out of here and they're like hey wait you son of a bitch you don't get to say that <laughs> only we get to say that yeah you can't quit you're fired yeah yeah exactly um yeah i mean i don't i don't have a big problem with him being honest and you know i, I think probably he didn't choose his words the best but i also thought like there were people who were like oh his apologies just pr which First of all, yes, of course it is. You put your foot in your mouth. That's what you do. But also, as far as PR apologies go, you've won a championship and I haven't is a really good line to to try to smooth things over with the fan base. Like, like you couldn't ask for him to say anything more like praise of the franchise and and self defeating than I got no rings and you, and you do. Um, so I don't know. I think it's the media cycle. It is what it is. I. I'm a little surprised something didn't get done. Um, I think certainly the way that their tax sheet looks, they're anticipating moving off of him at some point, uh, whether it's now or um, at the deadline or something like that, because they're over the tax right now, um, the way things look. But yeah, I think he'll be, he could be gone at some point, but if he plays 40 games as a Raptor first, that'd be all right. Second unit could use another, uh, another guard to help Malachi run that show. Is it, is it blasphemous that I want Goran starting? I mean, it's probably fine. I, I think skill set wise with the other starters, Trent probably makes more sense, but cause like, you're just like, you're pretty light on shooting and okay. uh, you don't need Trent to dribble if he's in uh, the starting lineup. Oh, he'll dribble. He's going to well, dribble. Okay. He might dribble. You won't pass. That's true. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I like the idea of like the vet guy helping Flynn in the second unit a little bit, but sure. That's you can also yeah. change it up. There's no, you don't have to start the same guys, 82 games. Do we have a kind of a, a term that operates just as effectively as buddy cop? Are we moving off of buddy cop? Like, is there, is there some well, yeah, sort of all, other thing? Cops are, you know. <laughs> right, right. So I'm wondering, like, I was going to say buddy cop for Malachi and Goron, but is there, you know, a substitute? Yeah, I mean, the other one's like bromance, but I don't really like that because it's kind of heteronormative and like, 
Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe buddy, buddy cops the best we could do for now. Well, bromance is only for you and I, I think. Yeah. Um, I'll think on it. We'll okay. See. But I get what you're saying though. You gotta, you got a little rush. We gotta innovate. We gotta innovate. On. Yeah. 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 Although they're both like, there's, I don't know if there's enough conflict in personality type. There's both the straight man. Yeah. It might be more of a like, um, mentor mentee thing of like, and then like an eventual student becomes the teacher situation. Okay. That, that's, that might be the, the more likely path for them. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. That seems, that seems more appropriate. Yeah. Uh, I, just can't, and- I can't see either of them emerging as like, the the funny guy like they're both the straight man so it's uh it's tough goran would have to assume form as like a you know kind of bumbling guy who keeps getting like smacked in the face over the course of his career and he has like huge egg yeah but he's so tough though like yeah like that might actually happen but it's part of like a broader like gimmick of just being the toughest guy in the gym He's kind of like, I'm too old for this, but still yeah. super effective. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then and then him and Malachi are, are changing characters halfway through the movie. Exactly. It's, it's just like community. Yeah. I'm I was sorry. thinking more Lethal Weapon 5. I haven't seen Lethal Weapon 5. Is that a, is that a faux pas? Come on, man. Always sunny? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Wait. Sorry. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. They change characters in the middle of the movie? Come on. Right. I'm so sorry. Unbelievable. Yes. Of all the people to not get the always sunny reference, the guy who for three months posted nothing but always sunny memes. I was in a depraved mood for three months. It was a yeah. it was a low point. I only it was had a pandemic. Yeah. Um, by the way, <laughs> I, I want to apologize. Uh, when we started this, the sun was still up and I had no lights on. And then over the course of the podcast, I have had to turn my ring light on and then another lamp on. And it just struck me just how dark it is behind me. And it now looks like I'm like spooky and we're doing this over candlelight, which um, would be nice, honestly. But is that is that appropriate for your mood? Is, or have you have you gotten more glowy since coming in? I think you might have. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to assume just, that I've it gets you closer up. to the end and I'm like, finally, this is over. And then I right. End. Yeah. You get excited for our post podcast conversation where yeah. we get to be pals. Uh, any <laughs> any other summer league uh, stories that you'd care to share? Not really. I mean, the Raptors got a lot of good dudes that I think are really easy to root for. And I think Scotty kind of is the top of that. Um, But Ishmael Wainwright is very, very nice and very cool. Um, Wesley Johnson is coaching with the 905 this year, which is uh, which should be a fun one. Um, Nate Bjorken was around a bunch, but wasn't sure if he's rejoining the staff or not. Well, he uh, can't because then everybody would have to get rid of their durags. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else? Oh, I ran into a bunch of like X Raptors people, which was fun. So I ran into Jose Calderon at Starbucks, um, which was really nice. He's the nicest man in the world. Uh, Jerome and I saw Amari Stoudemire three days in a row working on his laptop at Starbucks as if he was a sports writer who doesn't have internet at home. Very funny. Uh, I know he's not an X Raptor, but while I was on Starbucks, um, ran into Landry Fields, who's now the assistant general manager of the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, ran into JAMA, got to spend some time with JAMA. We were on the same flight out to Vegas. 
He's now with the Golden State Warriors. Uh, Jesse Mermis, the, the first ever coach of Raptors 905, caught up with him for a bit. He's uh, Orlando Magic bound now, getting a promotion up the bench. Uh, ran into O'Shea Brissett. It was great. It was, uh, it was a fun week. It's nice to see people again, even if it's from a distance. And That's that's funny. Jose Calderon, I remember for the longest time, if you typed his name into Google, it would return his net worth as like $2.08 billion, Yeah, And it would say that he his family owned like Coca-Cola producing factories or something like that, yeah. bottling factories. Different but Jose that wasn't Calderon. true. Yeah. No, you want basketball player slash ham farmer, Jose Calderon. Still, still cookie jars. Yeah. Although not as many. Um, so the, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. I also got a real kick out of the first Raptor that Delano Banton named when he's talking about his fandom was Jose Calderon. That's like, a changing it's not Vince, of the it's not Chris Bosch. It's not Kyle Lowry. He's that sweet spot of how did you stick with basketball when these were the teams you first watched? I'm I'm waiting for Sonny Weems to get a shout out from like oh, yeah. a Toronto kid or the young guns, you know, yeah. Amir, Damar, Sonny. Yeah. Brady and Ed, right? Was Ed Davis part of the young guns? Uh, sometimes depends on whose Photoshop you looked at. Oh. <laughs> okay. Ed Davis. And also the the team co-opting it as young ones because we can't uh right can't promote gun violence of course except for finger guns naturally hell yeah okay uh i feel like that's a good place to end it uh listener i hope you enjoyed it very much but blake it's your turn to uh just plug away i won't call you chap this time i remember that was a, a whole deal yeah what's uh yeah, it's the Rondé Hollis Jefferson chap I'm okay with, but the British yeah. chap I'm not. Right. Um, yeah, I don't have anything to promote. I mean, the athletic, all my stuff's there. I don't know. I had lots of summer league stuff. I think I banked enough stuff to keep us flowing between now and the start of training camp at the end of September. So, you know, keep an eye out. I, w- I will hopefully get a break sometime soon. Um, Sounds to me like there'll be a Wainwright piece. You seem like you like him a lot. Oh, yeah, there'll be a Wainwright piece. Yeah, I kind of figured. Okay. All sorts of good stuff. (laughs) Perfect. Okay. You have another podcast to do right away. So I'll let you get out of here. And uh, professional, a real podcast. Dude, listen. (laughs) Sorry, man. (laughs) Okay. Uh, It's better as a Twitter gimmick. It's harder in person because you blush and I feel bad. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Listener, thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it. Blake, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for having me, buddy. Okay. And listener, if you want to rate or subscribe or whatever you do to make the podcast seem more attractive in an algorithmic sense, please do so. I don't really ask for this very often. And uh, if you want to leave a nice review where you say nice things, hell yeah, I'd enjoy that a bunch. And if you don't want to say nice things, uh, say them to me on Twitter instead of the forever forum that is the Apple podcast review spot. So thank you. But whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.